One of the most important things was a to give the opportunity to more athletes. It was really important to be able to have more athletes. There's millions of athletes that participate in in Special Olympics and uh, in the 2018 games because of a lot of constraints. Only just over 2,000 were able to come and compete. So it was important to to increase the opportunities uh, in, in regard to the number of athletes, but also to sort of change the public perception of what Special Olympics is. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. From iPhones to MacBooks to Apple TV to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more, now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Visit Opulent Inventory on opulentinventory.com and on Instagram. My guy Nash and Gardy are the very best in the game to provide you the Apple product of your dreams. Now, let's get back to the show. state areas once in the dmv a few weeks ago yes how you feeling today my man oh uh, feeling amazing Chevy. i'm feeling amazing man i don't know why this friday i was this friday morning brought so much good energy and good vibrations but i'm feeling good man we close to the playoffs i'm sure they got something to do with it yeah yeah definitely there for sure it might just be it's friday and it might just be you it's payday or something like that. <laughs> i don't know what it is but mike 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 feeling very good today payday payday is every day good brother but yeah that might have something to do with it definitely there for sure on my end all is well we are a chilly 72 degrees here in orlando florida how it is mike it's always it's always beautiful beautiful weather here uh families well we're all ready to go and yes like you mentioned mike it probably has something to do with the playoffs so it's it's funny you say it's it's funny when you say you know you know that, 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 that was such a humble brag you say you know it's been a chilly 72 you know, seventy two up here. <laughs> 70, seventy two up here. So it's it's so good. We I've been looking for seventy two so much. It's so it's, it must be fun to just brag about the seventy two like it's nothing. It must be fun. So that's uh, all right, man. Well, well I, I guess we should count our blessings, man. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, we should count our blessings. Big time. But nevertheless, um, <laughs> we gotta count our blessings that we woke up today and we get to talk hoops, and oh, yeah. that is the main topic of the day. The NBA playoffs, Mike, start officially. In 24 hours, officially yes. tomorrow, we have the final play-in tournament game tonight. Um, it's going to be the eight versus the nine yes. in the East. That's going to be the Cavaliers hosting Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. All well, they did last year, Mike, was their Eastern Conference final run. So they'll try to simulate what or emulate what they did last year. And then in the Western Conference, you've got the eighth-seeded Clippers going up against the nice seeded pelicans the clippers although they lost in 
Minnesota and the Twin City, they'll go ahead and host the Pelicans. And we'll just start off with that, Mike, before we head into the playoffs. How do we see things um, unraveling tonight in the East and in the Western Conference? It's going to be tough. I see this battle. The, the, I'm going to start off with the first game, the Hawks versus the Cavs. I see this being a point guard duel that goes right down to the wire. Trey Young versus Darius Garland, the way they're playing. Darius Garland didn't get the requisite help from Karis LeVert. Evan, um, Evan Mobley played well, but others, uh, Seti Osman, Kevin Love got cold at some point. He didn't get the requisite help he needed against the Brooklyn Nets. I think he has a better opportunity of getting help from the others against the Hawks today, along with Trey Young. Trey Young, he has nothing but help around him. The way Kevin Herter's playing ball, the way uh, Gallinari is playing, DeAndre Hunter is stepping up on both ends of the floor and even shooting even more efficiently on, uh, from the offensive side of the ball. So I, I look at that from that standpoint of being a real good battle between the point guards, but um, it's going to come down to the others, and I trust the Atlanta Hawks others more than I do the Cavs right now based on experience and uh, understanding of the moment. And in the second game, I got the Pelicans, the Pelicans Clippers. This is going to be a battle. Uh, this is a toss-up, Sadie. I really don't know who's going to win this game right now because the Pelicans, even though they're on the road and they have to travel to L.A., this team is very pesty and feisty, uh, uh, under, very, a very underrated pesty team. And they have some offensive skill set that can uh, get buckets when it, when it needs to. C.J. McCollum is built for this moment. This is nothing new to him. Brandon Ingram, this is an opportunity for him to really rise up and make his name. But also for the Clippers, I'm going to say, they're they're um they're they're in the upper hand in this situation because they're at home because they um have that length defensively. I do expect them to make some things happen. I do expect Paul George to play better in the fourth quarter in this game than he did against Minnesota. So I would take the Clippers to edge them out, but it would be a tough game against the Pelicans. I agree with you on both matchups there as well. Um, uh, you know what they say: the role players they always play better at home. Right, yeah. and they're going back to the land. Unlike what Darius Garland, who played a very good game in Brooklyn, didn't have any help. I think Kevin Love will make some wide open looks tonight. I, I think all the others as well. But at the end of the day, one thing I know about Trey Young, Mike, is he's a big game performer. Can yes. you believe in just four years, this guy's a career for his NBA career, Mike, in just four seasons, he's a career twenty five and nine guy. Mm. You, you you never thought about that, right? Mm. They say that he's six one. I think he's closer to five eleven than anything, Mike. I I I, I see, watch TV. I watch him up close, and I'm like, yeah, this guy cannot be a six one for yeah. a five eleven guy doing what he's doing in in this NBA. A career twenty five and nine guy in just four seasons, incredible. And what I I've seen him do it in the playoffs. I seen him go to Madison Square Garden and bow down to all the booze that he was doing. I, I've seen him literally go to Pennsylvania Avenue in New York and, and tell everybody to be quiet. So mm -hmm. I trust him in a winner-take-all matchup, and I think that he's going to get contribution um, from all the players. And I, I like Dave McMillan as the coaching edge in this matchup, too. And in the Western Conference, I'm going to ride with the Clippers. The thing yeah. is, Mike, with the Clippers is they, were, they played well through three quarters against Minnesota. Very well. They were up 10 with eight minutes to play in the, in the fourth quarter. The thing is, they ran out of gas. And so I, I think this is by a landslide, a coaching edge. I trust Ty Lu, who I think is an incredible coach, who is not only a great coach, but he'll make in-game adjustments. And then the others, Marcus Morris will step up. I think you'll get Nicholas Batum to hit some shots. I think Zubak will have um, his way inside there as well. And then Paul George, he won't have to do everything himself in the fourth quarter, unlike he had to do um, in their struggles in Minnesota. Um, and, and I think the defense that Tyloo's going to give, he's, he's going to give different looks to guys like C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram. So I trust 
the Clippers in an all-win matchup because of what I think Ty Lue can do. So um, I'm rolling with the Clippers over there. Absolutely. I'm rolling with them as well. And the X factor for me for the Pelicans to make this really interesting is a guy named Herb Jones. Uh, the brother's defense is impeccable, and he uh, he's sneaky offensively as far as a playmaker, knocking down shots uh, in the post and things like that, mid-range. So watch out for Herb Jones. I was impressed with his with his um, energy and his hustle uh, in that game, in the playing game against the Spurs the other day. So uh, he, he could potentially be an X factor too. But uh, you're right, the Clippers, they, to me, they just have too much at home. Yes, McCollum had 27 points in that first half against the Spurs. My X-Factor, Mike, is Josh Hart. Sometimes when you're mm -hmm. on the road in big games, you need somebody in that second lineup, that second bench to give you spark. I think Josh Hart has to have a big game. He has to be the guy to be the catalyst to um, take charge in that second unit. When guys like McCollum and Ingram go to the bench, you got to get bench points when you're on the road in, in, in a hostile environment like that. So Josh Hart, to me, is an X factor and also his defense. We mm -hmm. know how great of a defender he is there as well. That actually segues for us, Mike, to the actual playoffs that we have. What about some of these matchups, Mike? Oh, what man. about some of these matchups? Uh, I I'll leave it to you. What stands out to you initially? Oh, uh, initially, what stands out to me? I to me, Sebi, you know what was crazy? Initially, what stood out to me was Minnesota versus Memphis. It was easy to me. It wasn't the Nets and Celtics. The Nets and Celtics is gonna is gonna take care of itself. And obviously I wanna see those guys, the stars, go at each other. But the intrigue an intriguing matchup to me is Memphis versus Minnesota for a multiple of reasons. Mm. Memphis, Memphis is Memphis is a team we know how good they've been all season, even with Ja, without Ja, they've been a steady, consistent team throughout the year. However, this Minnesota team is very sneaky. This Minnesota team is built for a series like this because of the roster that they have in place. People forget they won that game against the Clippers the other day. You could arguably say without Carl Anthony Towns really having an effect on the floor. He was in foul trouble for the majority of the first half, and he fouled out with seven and a half minutes left when they were down, and they came back and won without him. This Minnesota team has depth. That game showed majority of the world who didn't watch the Timberwolves all season how, 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 how lethal they are as far as uh, defensively, how they lock up, bone up, and how they make plays. And I think that can pose a lot of problems for this Memphis team because of the matchups that they present. The guy Vanderbilt is a hustle guy. You got, uh, obviously, you got Ant-Man who comes in there and does his thing. You have a, a big-time closer in D-Lo. Carl Anthony Towns is Carl Anthony Towns. There's no answer for him. But I, I do feel like this game is going, this series will go seven. And it'll, it'll, it'll come down to which star, which star rises up. But that's going to be a, an interesting 2-7 matchup in the Western Conference um, that, that needs to be talked about almost, if not uh, just as much, as the 2-7 uh, the matchup we got in the Eastern Conference that's being uh, talked about. You see, I, I hear people say that, Mike, but I don't see it. I, I, I don't see it. The reason I don't see it is Minnesota has to be the most talented team. Young, one of the, one of, not the most, but one of the young, talented teams out there that's up and coming. But they've also got to be like, uh, you'll laugh at this. They got to be some of the dumbest <laughs> teams ever to, like, Coach Finch, who's, you know, I, I don't want to, Chris Finch, I, I don't want to, you know, bash him because he comes from the Nick Nurse tree in, in Toronto. He's a champion in 2019 with Kawhi. He was on that staff. So I can't say that he doesn't know how to coach. But Carl Anthony Towns, right? You know, he's getting the ball for a guy that's seven foot who's been this year averaging 25 and 10. We all agree that he should be in one of those all-NBA lists. He was catching the ball out in the perimeter and not on the block, right? And number two, you leave this guy in with four fouls, 
he had four fouls in that first half. You literally could have gave up the game to the Clippers. I, I mean, I'm I'm like, what is Coach Finch doing? And then Carl Anthony Towns forcing his way, drawing like bullying his way, getting offensive fouls. The team turns the ball over, and against Memphis, that's the last thing you want to do, Mike. Memphis, Mike, is number one in the NBA in fast break points. Number one in points in the paint. Number one in steals. Number one in blocks. So to me, I I, I think I, I said all those things, and I think they have the best player in the series in John Morant. I like their supporting cast better than the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's it's Jaron Jackson who's an all defensive all yeah. NBA guy. It's, it's Dylan Brooks that's gonna be pesky on you. It's Desmond Bain. I, I don't see it, Mike. There's there's all the metrics and the numbers say, and they scream at you, uh, uh, Grizzlies. Now nah, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen, and it's all about matchups. But to me, I, I I don't know, Mike. I don't see it going past five. I, I just think this this Timberwolves team, although Grizzlies are young themselves, I just think that to me, in the playoffs, you're you're going up against a team that they feast on turnovers. And and from what I saw against the, the Clippers, I don't know if it was jitters. Or I don't know if it was nerves. From what I saw, I, I see they have absolutely no chance at all. If Carl Anthony Towns gets in foul trouble, I can guarantee you the way that um, Ant-Man and, and, and D'Lo dominated and got them that win down the stretch, they're not going to be able to do that against a Grizzlies team if they're down that like that. So I, I, I don't see it, Mike. I, I don't. Well to, well, well, to me, obviously, if he gets in foul trouble consistently throughout the series, then they have no shot. I don't anticipate that uh, what happened against the Clippers to happen uh, throughout the seven-game series consistently throughout that uh, throughout that series. Uh, it, I look at that as an anomaly. That That isn't something that really took place majority of the season when you watch the Timberwolves. That was just a situation that they got themselves into, a more a very physical team, obviously, in a playoff-type situation with the Clippers, and they and they got and they got rough with them. So I, I would expect Carl Anthony Towns to learn from that, Coach Finch to learn from that situation, and and to, to manage it better against Memphis. And uh, with that being said, if Carl Anthony Towns is on the floor and impacting the game, then that, that gives Minnesota a very a very good shot, and I'm glad you brought up the point about Memphis's youth because this is the this is the best time to get them as a top seed. The best time to get them right now is 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 when they're the first time coming into the playoffs as this as this top seed, not really knowing how to how 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 to how to handle it or knowing what they're getting themselves into. This is almost like the best time to catch the uh, Memphis Grizzlies uh, sleeping to potentially push them to six or seven games, and I see them I see them doing it. I don't know if they win the series, but I see them pushing them very far for sure. Now, now I'll say this, Mike. If the Clippers had won, I think Grizzlies and Clippers would have been an interesting matchup. Oh yeah, that too. That that would be interesting because Ty Lue, defensively, all the schemes that he can throw at you, he'd give John Morant different looks. And then they're also a seasoned veteran team who's been there and done that in the playoffs. Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, they have that 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 playoff pedigree. And and in a young team like the Grizzlies, that would I'm sure Ty Lue would make them think. That, I think, would have been an interesting matchup because I think that would be challenging for a young team going up, going up against a veteran team. But when you're going youth against youth, both of these teams are young, I, I just go with, with the more talented youth team because um, I, 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 just, I just trust them more in, in this situation. No, agreed, agreed. I just, I just love Minnesota to really uh, p- push them and make it tough for them. Uh, Potentially the six or seven, and I like Carl Anthony Towns to uh, perform well in this series and rewrite the narrative on him. As yeah, far there's, as no, how there's he, no answer for him. That, that's, yep. that's that's their edge, Mike. There's no answer for Cat. Yep. Yeah. So 
I'm, I'm looking forward to that matchup big time. I, I will say this, though. I, I don't think we're talking about it enough. Um, Luca not playing game one against it's the huge. Jazz, that's that's huge because mm -hmm. I, I think this is the year I predicted. I think Luca has a chance to at least get out of the first round and win his first playoff series. But without him in game one, if the Jazz would have won game one, that sets the tone. Yep. So uh, that that's that's interesting. That's interesting to me. And I, unlike the other years, Mike, not a lot of people are talking about the Jazz. They're saying the same old Jazz. So um, maybe they've got a chip on their shoulders. But I think that's a crucial one a lot of people are not talking about. It. And I think also Curry not being 100% for the Warriors. Now, yeah. I'll say this. I, I, don't, I don't have the balls to say that Denver's going to win that series. But one thing I know, Mike, number, number 15 that plays for Denver – yeah, he he he's a bad man. Oh yeah, and and I don't think that Steve Kerr, Draymond Green, or any of those guys have any scheme to slow him down. Because if you play him one on one, he'll bully you down low. If you double him, I believe he's the greatest passing big to ever live. Right? There's no disrespect to you know uh, uh, Bill Walton, all those old timers that played Kevin McHale, but none of them, Mike, as bigs can pass like Jokic so you 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 he's a load because if you you got to pick your poison you got to play him one-on-one -on -one, he'll bully you down low if you double him you play his best strength and that's being able to facilitate so Curry not being 100% in the Warriors as a whole this year not being 100% is an interesting one there I, I could see that going a, a long series your thoughts on those two matchups I agree with that that Nuggets Warriors that's that Nuggets Warriors series even with Curry to me would go far as well. I don't see that even if Curry was healthy, all fully healthy. I don't see that series going no less than six. That's how much respect I have for Jokic and that Denver squad as far as their total depth is concerned. That's the battle of depth right there. Both teams are very deep. They once they once they go to their second rotations and their benches, it's gonna look like a five on five uh, starters matchup because of how deep both teams are. Um, so it's gonna be a fast paced, fun, entertaining series. Um, I'm still gonna give the nod to the Warriors because of that home court advantage and how they play at home however uh but because even when Steph is out even if Steph is out there as a decoy that that's even that's even a a, a much value for the Warriors as well spacing right. the floor out for everybody else and stuff so right. I do give the nod to the Warriors uh to, to win this series but the Nuggets will make it tough for them and I wouldn't be surprised if it goes six definitely there for sure if Jamal Murray and Porter were there Mike Whew, that oh was, yeah seven game series nothing that, left that that would that would be very very interesting I think I think the Warriors would be in deep deep trouble Luca and the Dallas Mavericks in that jazz series your thoughts on that yeah it's interesting because you know sometimes when you're a team like the jazz when you when you continuously keep yourself in position year in and year out um you know in the playoffs and stuff like that Sometimes you sometimes you you get the ball to bounce your way, and sometimes you get opportunities that present themselves. And right now, you have an opportunity with the Jazz to go against the team in the Dallas Mavericks uh, with Luka Doncic, who hasn't been out the first round uh, uh, since since Luka's been there. So you have an opportunity to not only get out the first round, but potentially make some hay and get a, a favorable matchup in the second round. And who knows if you'll be able to get that? So the, 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 there's an opportunity right here for the Jazz to do something and make something happen. We'll see if this is one of the years that they can capitalize on it or if this is just another year that they show they're, they're, they're that middle-of-the-pack team in the Western Conference that stays that stays stagnant uh, throughout the early years of Donovan Mitchell's uh, uh, rise in the NBA. Definitely there for sure. It's funny, we've been talking about basketball and only sticked in the Western Conference where the Eastern Conference has been the more dominant conference. Yeah. 
year. And we look forward to the Eastern Conference. Obviously, it's highlighted by my Celtics and your Nets. But opposite of that, Mike, is there any interesting matchup that sneak out to you? Not a lot yes. of people are talking about that that you can see it be very competitive. Yes. The the the, the okay. I don't believe this series is going to be uber competitive as from the from the outlook of the 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 final the final score of the series. However, within games, I feel like this this series might remind us of old school basketball back in the day as far as defensive intensity, and that's the Bucks versus the Bulls. If anybody paid attention to the Bucks versus the Bulls matchups they had throughout the regular season, especially that particular one on ESPN in in Milwaukee, that 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 it's a physical game between these two teams when they go against each other because of the size that they have. And they really presented some tough shots for each other. And I just thought about themselves. If they were to go against each other in a playoff setting throughout a seven-game series, that would be a physical matchup that, uh, that, that both teams would have to, you know, uh, mentally and physically get ready for. So the Bucks to me, will win that series in five. However, within the games, you're going to see you, – I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of 97-94 victories or – you know, ninety or eight or, or ninety five, eighty nine victory, like something like that. So it's going to be a physical what, game, and, and shots are going to be hard to come by in that series. Like, like, what piston basketball? Like, yes, yes, yeah, it's, yes. Very low scoring. Very low scoring there for sure. I agree with you, Mike. I mean, I, I have the Bucks in five. Um, I, I think this is just a bad matchup for the Bulls, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't see that there. My, my matchup is that Raptors in Philly matchup, Mike, because yeah. me. Toronto has owned Philadelphia. They they've owned Philadelphia, and I get it. Joel Embiid's the best player in this in this series. I, I get it. James Harden, when healthy or when he plays like he's supposed to play, player <laughs> <laughs> in this matchup. So I mean, you've got your 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 version of Kobe and Shaq. Like they're they're supposed to dominate, right? But something tells me when it comes when you go to Toronto, Mike, against that coach Nick Nurse. And that defensive scheme that he throws at you, they've got length, Mike. You ever seen gnats? And, and, like, you ever seen, like, a, a, a bees inside of a hive? They, they're everywhere, right? And then they're always surrounding the queen bee. That's, that's how I feel. <laughs> the well indeed will be the queen bee, and you're going to have Siakam. You're going to have Boucher. You're going to have length. Size. I mean, these guys are everywhere, Mike. I don't know how Nick Nurse does it. I don't know what he schemes. What what person you gotta have the personnel for it too, but man, oh man, my, it, Toronto gets up in you, and I think that in a physical series, I think Toronto will be the team to punch them in their mouth. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Sixers respond. But I I got Toronto winning this in six games. Now, if it went to Game Seven, the team that has the two best players, I, I have to favor them in a Game Seven, right? Yeah. Regardless of that, I know James Harden. You know, the resume and history isn't on his side in game sevens. But in a game seven, I, I have to take my eye with it that has the two best players. But I believe Toronto won't have to worry about it. I think my upset of the first round, Toronto will win this series in six. Siakam and Van Vliet, who's an underrated perimeter defender himself, one of the league leaders in steals, he's going to be able to... To, to to navigate and play on both ends, I think Toronto is going to bother, bother, bother uh, the Raptors. The only way that I think the Sixers win this matchup is is it's, it's put up or shut up for James Harden, Mike. He has to show up. 
James Harden has to show. If he shows up and plays like how we know he's capable and his abilities, because we don't deny his abilities, Mike. We know what he can do. But if he plays up to par, then the Sixers have the upper end. I, from what I've seen this year, I don't see the the first step that he used to have in Houston. I don't see that uh, ability to just glide and to make defenders and manipulate them like he used. I don't see that this year. I think he's overshaped. I, I think he's lacked attrition. Joel Embiid will get his. Do not get me wrong, Mike. He will get his. But I think the Raptors advance to the second round. And you know in Philly, <laughs> the media ain't going to like what they got to hear about that. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's a couple things that stand out to me when I think about this Raptors 76ers game. One, is it, this could be another uh, physical uh, seven-game series where it's going to be very low scoring and buckets are going to be tough to come by as well. Secondly, this is going to be interesting because I think I, I do believe Philly recognizes that the home games in this series are very vital because, if I'm not mistaken, in Toronto, all the players still have to be vaccinated, correct? Yes, and that's huge. And that's huge because Matisse Stabul is not vaccinated, Sebi. not play, and that's a huge – That's huge. That would be that, – That's of, huge. Of, 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 of Siakam and also a guy like um, – what's the shooter that they got over there? Um. I can't remember his name, uh, traded from Portland over there. Um, Gary Trent. Yep. Yeah. That's a guy that would be guarding yeah. sometimes Van Vliet in fourth quarter down the stretch. We know yeah. he's a closer. So exactly. Matisse Tybal can't play. So missing Matisse Tybal on the road would be huge for uh for 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 Toronto. Uh giving them the upper hand it would be you know, it would be it would be bad for Philly. Um as far as, you know, that that defensive perimeter, the perimeter defense out there. So that's huge in my in my aspect. So I think Philly understands the importance of the home games in this series, taking care of home home court, and uh, I, I see it going seven regardless. But with that, with Dabo not being able to play, that's going to be a huge void on the road that they're going to miss. So that that that's the key. Uh, looking at how Philly asserts themselves at home and how they take advantage of care of the home games. If, if Toronto finds a way to sneak a, a home game or two, sneak a game on the road or two in Philly, then th- this series really can go Toronto's way. And um, I I don't see how Philly comes out of it, but if um if, if Philly is able to take care of home court like like I like I feel like they will, then uh, I, I see them coming out this series. But it's going to be tough regardless. I don't see it going nothing less than six or seven. Absolutely, and this is further validates my my pick of the Raptors because again, Tybo is is a guy that they would throw at Van Vliet in the fourth quarter. You can't really put him all game because Van Vliet's quicker. He's 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 younger. Uh, so I mean, Matisse Tybo is younger too, but uh, he. You know, those quick and shifty guards, you don't want him playing all four quarters on an elite defender. You can get in foul trouble. You know what I'm saying? So you, you want to at least have him uh, for the fourth quarter. They don't have that, right? You're going to have to throw a 34 or 35-year-old Danny Green at them. I do not like that matchup. This isn't the Spurs Danny Green who can lock you up like Bruce Bowen can. This is not <laughs> the that you have now, right? Yeah. Michael Finley. This is a uh, old and 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 you know, o- older version of Danny Green that's going to have to guard him. That means you're going to have to put a 6'8 guy against a, a 5 or 6 feet guy like Van Vliet who will take advantage Welcome of Welcome back to Wayford. Tobias Harris. I-, I-, I don't like the matchup. And so I think Toronto will take care of games three and four in Toronto because of that. And right. and, and look, Doc and Harry Angelo and, you know, all of those um, GMs in, in Philly, they only – they can only blame their their players for that not being vaccinated because Toronto mandates that. So that's a whole other country that does that. So I I, I think Toronto gets it done in six, man. Right? 
Uh, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Because to me, a four, it's not an upset to me. A four to five matchup to me, a five seed beating a four, it's not, it's not, a, it's not an upset to me. Yeah. It's just a situation where, you know, to two very competitive teams, a team that in, Tor- in Toronto and in Philly that started off very hot, a team in Toronto that picked up very strong late in the season. So coming into this, coming into this series, I feel like they're a little bit more confident than Philly is. So it's going to be an interesting battle to see. The Philadelphia Inquirer, the newspaper, can you imagine what happens, Mike? Ooh. Right, right. All the process this, process that, that's been going on for seven years. At the end of the day, the process has to result into something, Mike. The process got to end, right? You yeah. got well Embiid. You have James Harden. The the city wanted a guard that can play next to 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 Ben to uh, Joel Embiid. They they cast it away. Ben Simmons, you know what I'm saying, and James Harden to lose the series, bounced out of the first round. He got himself out of Houston. Got himself what he wanted out of Brooklyn. Can you imagine what the media and the scrutiny that they would have in Philly? My goodness. Yeah, it'll be bad. It'll be bad. It'll be very bad, especially coming off the trade and everything, and coming off James Harden coming saying there's no pressure on him and things like that. It, it, it would look bad if they were to get bounced out in the first round. That's why I I, I don't I, – I find it hard to believe that they're going to just – that they're gonna lose like that. It's gonna it's gonna take everything from Toronto and then something to win this series. So, uh, if they if they if they fall if they fall like that, it's gonna be you're not just gonna hear it from the Philadelphia Inquirer. You're gonna hear it all over the streets of Philadelphia, fans, everything. James Harden. If you thought Ben Simmons had it had it bad, you're gonna hear from you're gonna you're gonna see just how bad Ben Simmons had it with the fans. Yeah. If you find a way not only to lose in the first round, but if you don't perform at a high level either, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna find out exactly how harsh those Philly fans can be. Yeah. You're not in Houston anymore. Not at all, Mike. You're not in Houston anymore. At least, you know what they say about paper, Mike. There's two things you can do. You can write on it and make your own narrative, or you can fold. <laughs> so, And I don't think the Sixers want to fold there for sure. They'll try to uh, get Philadelphia their first title since 1983. Would you even believe that? Um, quickly here, Mike, before we go to um, our, our next segment here, your All-NBA list. Um, and, and give me your defensive play of the year, your your MVP. I I, I want to know where you stand on this. Got you. Um, first team all for my for my All NBA team. Give me uh, wow. Obviously, uh, Jokic. I like Giannis. I like. Who is it for my guard position? I would have started off saying Steph, but. He fell off a little bit. But there's Luca, there's Ja, there's um Ja Morant. I like Ja Morant. I like um Wow, over Luca. I don't know. Yeah, that's nah, give me Luca. Luca as my first team all NBA. Ja Morant will be on my second team. Then you got you got guys like um I already said B, Jokic, uh Devin Booker would be on my first team as well. Mm, and then, I like, on, I like and then, and then second second my second team, you got you got uh Ja Morant at the point, you got um who would be my second two? I mean, you could put Curry there as a combo guard. As a combo, right? Yeah, you could put Curry there as. A I like Curry. I like. I like. Well, yeah, I like Curry there. I like Curry there. Curry there as a combo. I like um, small forward. I'm gonna go with Kevin Durant. I'm gonna go with uh, power forward. I already put already put Jokic in there. I like. I like. I like that. I like that group. You like that group. Yeah, yeah. For uh, for defensive player of the year, I'm gonna go with Marcus Smart. I think he's been very underrated. It was tough between him and uh, Marcus Smart and what uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. was doing. You know, averaging two and a half blocks is nothing to sneeze at. But um, 
I, I like what Marcus Smart was doing from a collective standpoint and being physical and really shaping, uh, spearheading the, the the defensive prowess of the Celtics team since 2022 began. So Marcus Smart, to me, is the defensive player of the year. The MVP was tough, Sebi. The MVP was tough. But if I had to pick, I'm going to go with the reigning champ. I'm going to go with Giannis. I'm going to go with the reigning finals MVP. The way the man has been dominating this year, I'm going to go with Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's been playing spe- spectacular um, as my MVP. And what was the other award? Uh, I think that was it. Um, it. We could throw coach in the coach of the year there, but um, other than that, um, I, I think that was it. Yeah, those are the main ones I have right now. If I had to do a six man of the year, I'd probably do Tyler Hero. Agree, agree. You know, somebody like that. But uh, you know, th- th- those are the main. Uh, ones. Nobody stood up to you as a coach. Uh, st- coaching wise, I would say uh, my man in Memphis. He stood okay. out. Um, yeah. uh, he 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 stands out. Monty Williams. Maybe this is the year that he. Uh, you know. Yeah, he, he, he does it. So those those two, those two stood out to me as well. Uh, Monty Williams, he was um for the second year straight, um in the coaches poll. So all thirty two coaches in the NBA for the second year in a row, they voted him as the the best coach of the year. So, but we all know it doesn't matter until they actually give the award. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, that's gonna be interesting. My first team, Mike. I've got Luca at the point. Booker, right? Booker, who's in MVP considerations. He probably won't get it, but. Um, he's he's been that dominant here, so yes, I have him at the two guard, the guy that is the architect of the Phoenix Suns having the best record in the NBA. Him and Chris, yeah. so I, I think more deserving uh, from the two. Giannis is gonna be at the three, and I'm going big. I'm going Embiid and Jokic. Yeah, are the finalists for the MVP. It's gonna come down to those two. So, uh, that's that's my um. That's my first team. My second team, I've got Ja as the point guard, but I've got Steph as the combo. Just because gotcha. okay. Into I've got Tatum. I've got Tatum as Jason the, Tatum. The okay. NBA. Yes, this is a guy. I uh, may be biased here, but Jason Tatum career highs across the board. Mike twenty seven point one points per game. That's a career high. Um, he he he's he's spearheaded the Celtics to not only the best defensive team in the NBA, but what he does on the offensive end is a juggernaut and I went small. I had KD at the four. And um you know I I I I gave I gave Rudy Rudy Gobert some love. I, I gave Rudy Gobert some love. You know what I'm saying? It, it was between him and Kat. Yeah I'm about to say I was gonna I, say I, with him and Carl Anthony Towns but I, I've got Rudy Gobert on my second team just because year in and year out um he, he's he's you know consideration for uh defense of the year um consideration so I put him on the second team. And speaking of defensive player of the year, I have Marcus Smart, who I think will be the first guard, Mike, since Gary Payton to win that. GP, yes, yes, yes. GP since 96. Yeah, this is an award that it's a bigs award. But Mm -hmm. now in today's game, when it's all perimeter, you know what I'm saying? Got to respect the guys like Jimmy Butler, the the Marcus Smarts, the the Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges, what he does for Phoenix, too, goes underrated, too. He takes the assignment of your best player. So, um, you know, those guys have to get recognition. And I think it's, it's Marcus Smart's uh, uh, award to lose. My coach of the year, Mike, my coach of the year, I went a little bit different, right? I, I love what my guy from Memphis did uh, uh, this year, but I went a little bit different. Um, I, I gave the, the, the fella from, um, gosh, I can't remember his name, from uh, uh, Minnesota. We were just talking about him. Finch. Finch, Finch, yep. Chris Finch having and getting this team into the playoffs. The the the, the Timberwolves, Mike, they won 23 games last year. 
They yeah. doubled their amount this year. They won 46 to just get into the playoffs. That that is a that's a true story. That's what you call story. Cleveland's head coach was right there too. Uh Cleveland, that was that was the Cinderella story all year, but I, I don't think they'll get into the playoffs. So I had to give the nod to the Minnesota guy, Chris French. Um, so congrats to them. And um sixth man of the year, same Tyler Hero. Uh at one point it was Jordan Poole. He tailed off a little bit, but uh I, I yeah. Hero what he does to Miami. A team that actually doesn't have like a legit go-to score, but what he provides them off the bench is huge. So mm-hmm. I got Tyler Hero as as my sixth man. No, I agree. I agree with that part, and I'm glad you put Jason Tatum in your second team. I I actually agree with the, with him being in the second team over Kevin Durant based on how well he played this year and Kevin Durant's injury. I, I like that. I like that move at the three spot with putting JT right there. Yeah, definitely, definitely, there for sure. When we come back, folks. When we come back, we'll go here and talk about Mike's closing arguments and much, much more. This and all of this and much more inside the studios of WNSC. You do not want to go anywhere. Yeah. How we, how we doing, yeah. And we are back here on the show for our second segment here today. Proud and presented by Opulent Inventory. Opulent Inventory promo code podcast gets you 20% off on any Apple product. That's Apple products for iPhones, MacBooks, AirPods, you name it. Opulent Inventory can give you the Apple product of your dreams. And our next guest today, Megan McLean, is here with us. She is the one that is, well, one of the people that is uh, ready to be the architect and to orchestrate this year's 2022 Special Olympics here in Orlando, Florida, where I reside. Um, So I actually had a chance to uh, connect with Megan over social media um and i was in dr keel's class and she was one of our presenters that um i guess they did a a a pandemic podcast and she had some really cool insights on how to navigate throughout the pandemic when you have natural disasters like this and much much more so it's a pleasure to have you on megan yeah it's great to be here thank you very much Absolutely, absolutely. So, first and foremost, let's let's start off um, and and acquaint ourselves. Share us, share with us who you are, what you're about, and, and talk to us about your beginnings and how you got here. Yeah, sure. So, I um, you know, being involved in sports, sports sort of has driven everything that I've done in my life from the time, from my earliest memories. Uh, I grew up in a big family, had four siblings, uh, all very active in sports, and I uh, kind of. Uh, you know, basketball was my thing for a really long time. So I grew up playing basketball, ended up playing basketball um, in college where I actually uh, entered college uh, planning to uh, get a degree and a job in the sport management field. And then uh, things sort of took a turn for me. I had an experience where I, I had a teammate who uh, has a sister with pretty severe uh, intellectual and physical disabilities. 
And she invited me to her sister's uh, adult day training center to volunteer. And I spent uh, one weekend day there. And that following Monday, I went to my academic advisor and I uh, added special education as a major um, with the intention of teaching. And then as I sort of went through that journey, I realized that there's a lot you can do with a, a special education degree that isn't necessarily in the classroom. And through some volunteer work was introduced to the Special Olympics and found it to be sort of this perfect marriage of my, my two passions of helping people with disabilities and, and sport. So I ended up applying for a job with Special Olympics Florida and that brought me down here to Orlando uh, where I started my career uh, with that, that organization. And then in 2017, we started about, uh, we started talking about the possibility of putting up to host the USA games here in Orlando. And um, we put a lot of work into that. And, and Orlando just has so much to offer when it comes to sport tourism and the venues that we have that we felt that we had a really strong bid. And, and one of the uh, things that sort of helped us a lot was having Disney World right in our backyard. They know how to entertain and, and do events. So we ended up winning that bid. And at that point, I left my role at Special Olympics Florida and came over here and joined the um, local organizing committee for these games that will happen in, in less than two months at this point. Uh, so I'm the senior vice president of sports for that organization. And my job is just to make sure that we do everything we can to give the 4,000 athletes that will come to Orlando in June, a world-class competitive experience. Um, so that's, that's sort of how I got where I am. And really what drives me is, is just those two things, helping people with disabilities and, and doing that through sport, because I know how much sport did for me uh, in my life and in my career and want to just share that gift with as many people as we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. There for sure. Um, uh, there as well. And and I'm assuming this event is going to be taking place at ESPN's World World of Sports, correct? Yeah, for the most part. We actually are. We, we have 20 sports uh, that we're offering as a part of this event. And pretty much anything that can be hosted at the Wide World of Sports property is. And then we're actually at, at nine other venues um, throughout Central Florida. So um, swimming is at the Rosen Aquatic and Fitness Center just off iDrive. And we're using a, a, the largest bowling facility in the southeast of the United States in, in East Orlando near UCF called Boardwalk Bowl. So we're a little bit spread out, um, but, the, but Wide World of Sports will sort of serve as the hub and the host because it will be uh, the site for 10 of those 20 sports. Talk to us about that bidding process, because um, much like how you guys are doing, obviously this year, uh, well, in 2017 as well, um, USA is, is, has won the World Cup, and mm -hmm. one of the bidding cities is Orlando. So mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about that. What's the, how's the process like? Because when you have to have certain venues, I mean, obviously it helps to have Disney on your backyard, but mm -hmm. when you have to have venues like a Camping World Stadium to host something, or you got to have uh, maybe Spectrum Stadium to host something uh, in that mm -hmm. football stadium there, talk to us about that and how the key is to have those certain venues to ensure that, you know, you have the utmost opportunity to win, the, to win this city. Yeah, no, that's that the bidding process for us was really interesting because every USA games uh, for special Olympics before us was hosted on a college campus uh, because those campuses sort of give you that all in one. They have the dorm rooms, the dining halls and a lot of sport facilities. And uh, we wanted to, to take a different direction with that which um, we, we knew that there was a lot of strength in the facilities that Disney had to offer, but it was a change because uh, catering becomes a little bit more difficult uh, when you don't have the ease of a dining hall and uh, having athletes lodge in, in hotel rooms is different than dorm rooms. So that bid process, 
that was really interesting, that piece of it just being different and taking a big pivot from how things have been done in the past. But um, one thing that was really, really important to us is to allow our athletes the opportunity to complete compete in state-of-the-art, world-class venues. Um, a lot of times on college campuses, they would end up in the intramural building and they're playing basketball on a court that has lines painted for every sport that you can imagine. And it's hard to tell um, which lines are there out of bounds and which ones are, are for a different sport. And it just sometimes doesn't allow for that championship experience that we wanted our athletes to have. So the strength of the venues in Orlando was, was a huge thing that was in our favor. And it's just really interesting because um, there's the professional sports in Orlando aren't the same as some of the other major cities, but we have some incredible venues. And just after we won the bid, uh, Orlando sort of doubled down on, on the strength of their venues by hosting everything through COVID. The NBA was at Wide World of Sports. Major League Soccer was at Wide World of Sports. So that process, the, the venues were a huge uh, thing in our corner to win that bid. And, and I really believe that this is going to be a whole different competitive experience for the athletes because every single sport venue is going to be designed and built to have the feel of a professional or a division one college atmosphere. Awesome. No doubt about that there as well. Talk to and also share with us about some of your partners and supporters for this, like Bank of America and, and mm -hmm. Kissimmee. You have a huge one with Publix and Orlando Health. Um, what were their contributions um, to to being able to make this possible for you guys as well? Yeah, so being a nonprofit organization, our partners are everything. They're our lifeblood, um, and and we could absolutely could not do what we do without them. And the support from the Orlando community and and from some of our national and global partners has been absolutely incredible. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, actually, uh, our our presenting sponsor, which is Jersey Mike Sub Shops hosted their day of giving and they raised $20 million for special Olympics in wow. a day. That's and awesome. a lot of that money is coming directly to us at the USA games. And then the rest of the money is going directly to the state programs to help them get their athletes to the games, uniforms, travel, and things like that. So they're a huge partner, obviously Walt, the Walt Disney company being the host partner has just been absolutely incredible, but there's some legacy partners there too, that have been around for a long time. When you think of bank of America, having sponsored Special Olympics International for a long time. And, and a lot of the local partners experience Kissimmee um, and partners like that have really shown us and, and shown the people that we're working with what, how important sport tourism is to Orlando and how important inclusion and diversity is to some of the big corporations here in Orlando. Right, right. That's going to be awesome there. Um, share with us about some of the heartfelt things about, about the Special Olympics, right? It, it's it, when you know, sports meets unity and we all unite one. And it doesn't matter what shape, size, or what whatever you're going through psychologically, these games always have and share a story. Uh, so talk to us about the experience for some of these athletes, um, not getting the utmost opportunity that yeah. growing up and then having this platform and this magnitude of spotlight to showcase uh, their respective abilities. Yeah, I think that that the words that that people think of when they think of special special Olympics are just inspiration and sportsmanship and joy and and all of that is there. But I remember uh, we started this bid process and our, and our now CEO Joe Zalek was a board member at Special Olympics Florida at the time, and he approached me to ask if while I was working there I would help sort of formulate this bid package. And I of course said yes right away. And when we first sat down, he said, "What do you? What would you want to see from these games? Knowing your experience in sports in the Special Olympics, 
um, world. And, and for me, one of the most important things was a, to give the opportunity to more athletes. It was really important to be able to have more athletes. There's millions of athletes that participate in, in Special Olympics. And uh, in the 2018 games, because of a lot of constraints, only just over 2,000 were able to come and compete. So it was important to, to increase the opportunities uh, in, in regard to the number of athletes, but also to sort of change the public perception of what Special Olympics is. Um, and, and even before I was completely immersed in this world, uh, I thought Special Olympics was kind of a, a fun thing. Everybody, everybody gets first place. Um, and, and it's sort of cute field day type atmosphere. And I quickly, within my first day on the job, learned that that's not what this is. These athletes are, are their competitors. They train just like any athlete, sometimes for years for this opportunity. Um, they compete at a really high level. And yeah, you are getting that, the joy that you see those athletes experience and the sportsmanship and, and the inspiration. But at the bottom line, these athletes are athletes just like any other athlete that goes to a, a national or an international event. So that was really important for us to build a platform to let our athletes kind of do their thing and let the world see what can happen. And we get so much momentum right now. I'm sure um, anybody that's a sports fan and particularly near central Florida knows the story about Chris Nickich, who yes. uh, became the first person with down syndrome to yeah. um, complete an, an Ironman. I mean, just incredible. Uh, there's yeah. no, nobody can argue the, the dedication and the, the training and the, the hard work that that takes. Um, and I'll tell you the other part of it too, for this experience is you know, we always say a once in a lifetime experience and we say it all the time here when we're in our office, but I had the opportunity to go to the 2018 USA games in Seattle with a pretty large delegation from the state of Florida. And we had athletes on that, uh, on that team, Florida team who had never left their home County in, in Florida. And the next thing they knew they were on a plane, they were going to the West coast. They were competing on ESPN who covers some of our sports live and it's truly a once in a lifetime experience. And when we take what we're doing, we're bringing 4,000 athletes here to central Florida. We've invited the Caribbean for the first time to give them an opportunity to attend uh, our event as well. And now they're potentially leaving their state for the first time, getting on a plane for the first time, going to Walt Disney world for the first time and competing in some places on the same uh, ground that LeBron James competed on. So um, wow. The experience that these athletes get is just incredible. And um, that's what we're really proud of. But I'm also just really excited for the world to see what our athletes can do. Yeah, absolutely. There for sure. I, I wanted to uh, keep the spotlight on on Chris Nickage because um, his his story is is very unique um, from obviously the circumstances that he had to deal with um, growing up and stuff like that. Um, share with us about some of the athletes that you've had to work with that, that just has some incredible stories and where do you get that joy and, and that passion to continue to do this day in and day out? Yeah, I think particularly with Chris Nickage, we started a pilot triathlon program in, I think it was probably 2017 when I was with Special Olympics Florida and we had four athletes show up on the first day and Chris was one of them. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, running a mile was hard for Chris at that point. And fast forward a few years and he's completing an Ironman, which is something that, you know, less than 1% of people do. And it's just an absolutely incredible feat. And uh, that's a testament to his training. All we did as an organization was, was sort of introduce this sport through a lot of really good community partners. And then Chris and his dad set some goals and they never stopped and, and they're continuing. I mean, he's about to run the Boston marathon coming up here really soon. So when you, 
have the opportunity to just be uh, front and center on that and have sort of a front row seat to a transformation like that and that dedication, I mean, there is so much energy that and motivation that you can draw from that. And, and then we have other athletes who, actually, when I was at Special Olympics Florida, had an athlete who worked for me who had a lot of challenges, uh, one of them being her intellectual disability. And uh, she ended up working for me full time and um, was really, really interested in pickleball and came to me and got pickleball started as a sport for Special Olympics Florida with with relentlessness. I mean, when she first came to me, our plate was full. We were running 10 major events a year. And she said, I want to start pickleball. And I said, OK, we can do this, but you have to take it on. You have to, to create this sport from the ground up. And, and she did just that. And now there's a pickleball is a sport for Special Olympics Florida. So it's sort of one of those situations where when you're getting tired, which when you're planning a major event like this, especially when you get into crunch time where we are right now, it's exhausting, it's stressful, uh, but you just get to experience what the athletes do and you see what they've overcome and you see how they're competing and training with so much joy. And it's impossible to not just have endless energy. I mean, I really feel like I could continue to do this forever <laughs> as long as I get to see the athletes that that is that is awesome that is awesome there so what's next for you right so obviously these competitions happen four years and stuff like that mm -hmm. um do you see yourself continuing doing this um in 2026 in 2030 is there room for growth and and as in terms of moving up the ranks and stuff like that is that has yeah. that in mind it's it's really an interesting situation because what typically happens is um, a new city will bid and and we know what the next city is. I'm not sure that it's been announced publicly, um, but for but for the 2026 games. But but technically, when this is all over, um, about a month or two after the games wrap, which is June 12th, is the last day all the athletes will fly home to their home states on on June 12th. A few months after that, everyone here there's about 30 of us that are full time are technically unemployed. Um, we dissolve it as an organization and we could apply to get a job with the next games in 2026. A lot of times they want people that know their community, know their city um, and, and there's other opportunities, but really for me, I'm not sure what's next. I have a, an endless passion for special Olympics. Um, and I know that even if it's not my career, I will continue to stay involved with special Olympics for as long as I can, can get out of bed in the morning, I will be involved because I'm just that <laughs> passionate about it. But, you know, I, I don't know what's next uh, in four months. I, I hope to have a job lined up, but right now my focus is on executing these games. And I, I really, um, I know I have faith. I have strong faith that things will work out for me after this. So I am laser focused on June, uh, June 5th through the 12th is when the games will take place. And that's where my focus is right now with a lot of uncertainty about the future. That's that's the craziest thing about life, right? We, we walk by faith and not by sight. So exactly, yes. yes. But um, best best of wishes to you. Um, you you seem like an extraordinary person, and Thank I you. know you've got great endeavors ahead of you uh, there um, for sure. Uh, talk to us about you know when when you're not doing the Special Olympics. Um, mm -hmm. What's your day? What's what's your day to day? How, how how does that work? Is there are you doing other things on the side, or are you sort of um still in the sports industry so just share yeah. with us a little bit about that yeah so outside the, the time that i have outside of work is most of it for me is i i'm a runner i run marathons and mm -hmm. um it's it's probably my other passion outside of my job is to oh, run wow. and and also just my family i have a big family as i mentioned earlier and uh, most of them are located in in pittsburgh i have a sister that lives in st louis so every chance i get i try to see them 
and spend time with them. I got, I have 11 nieces and nephews now running wow, around all, all under the age of eight. So I, I try to spend a lot of time with them and, and I run a lot and, um, but, but really right now, especially their long days focused on this job and I really wouldn't have it any other way. No doubt, no doubt there for sure. Uh, I also know that you guys are looking for volunteers. So um, yeah. that's been put out there as well. So uh, for all the listeners and viewers out there, we're all, they, you heard it from Megan. You're yeah. looking for all, all hands on deck. They're looking yeah. for volunteers. So if you're interested, uh, definitely meet us there. And the games will be head the 5th to the 12th. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. And I'll just, just quickly elaborate on that, the need for volunteers. We have... Uh, like I said, 20 sports, 4,000 athletes. They're coming supported by 1,500 coaches and chaperones. And we have outside of the 20 sports, we have about 20 special events, really, really cool special events that, that we're planning for these athletes to also enjoy while they're here. And all of that, uh, we have a need for about 12,000 volunteers. And that's just the bodies. When you count up the number of shifts, it's, it's north of 30,000 volunteer shifts. Um, so we really, really need volunteers. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we are a staff of about 30 people full-time executing wow. a, a massive event. So we depend very much on volunteers and there's information on our website about how to volunteer. And, and all that I can say is that uh, it's how I got my start with Special Olympics was through some volunteer work yeah. and um, it, it'll change you. If you come out and volunteer, it'll be fun. And uh, I think as you'll get as much out of it as you're able to give to our athletes. And it's just an opportunity to be a, in, a part of something that I really think is going to be incredible. No doubt. We'll definitely put the link there um, for just in the description box for people to thank you. Go ahead and, and volunteer there as well. This is our favorite time of the segment where we go ahead and we get into like the interpersonal uh, part of our guests outside of sports or outside mm -hmm. with what they do. We play this neat little game where it's, it's like a scenario game. So it's called this or that. So we give you two choices it's pretty easy. You just mm -hmm. pick one uh, that best suits you. So I'll go ahead and start off. Okay. Um, so are you um, a day drinker or a night drinker? <laughs> day drinker for sure. I, yeah. I, I I go to bed very I wake up very early for my run, so I, I don't last too long at night. Gotcha. Definitely. <laughs> um, dinner or brunch? Dinner for sure dinner yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. as well um <laughs> if you had a chance to to build it would you either have a house on a hill or a house beachside oh that one's tough um <laughs> that's tough i love the beach but i also love hiking i think for insurance purposes i'd pick the hill i'd pick the mountains <laughs> really yeah you know it's yeah. crazy you're the first person to actually pick that because everybody really? for some reason their desire is to be on a beach so that I, yeah I love hiking hiking is another one of the things I, I love to do and it's it's tough to find really good hikes in Florida so anytime I can get to the mountains I try to do that definitely there for sure uh music style the 80s or uh the 90s and early 2000s 90s and early 2000s for the nostalgia that was by uh when I was just a kid loved it yeah definitely yeah. definitely Definitely there for sure. Um, favorite sitcoms or favorite movies? Which one would you prefer? I think sitcoms for the attention span uh, purpose. Movies are tough for me. They're a little long. Yeah. And I always yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> Definitely there yeah. for sure. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, just enlighten us and sharing uh, light into this, you know, extraordinary event that 
you guys are doing. And obviously that's bigger than yourself and ourselves alone. Um, shining light on some of these athletes, uh, all these athletes, should I say. And yeah, thank you. Um, you guys orchestrating this. Um, we'll definitely send some support out there for you guys. Um, we'll share this. And also, um, yeah, gotta gotta tell Dr. Kill that we accomplished this. So this, yeah, this yeah. is nice. And we gotta link up. I did, you're in the Orlando area. That's yeah, like, I am. I am. Yeah. Yeah, definitely there for sure. Yeah, so and just for your listeners too, uh, if they're not able to, you know, if they're not located in Orlando, not able to come out and volunteer, ESPN will be covering a couple sports live. They're gonna have nightly recaps on Sports Center. The opening ceremony will be on ABC on Sunday, June fifth. So it's a lot of ways to just be a fan if you're not able to be here on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. There yeah. for sure. Thank you very much for taking your yeah. time. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And you got to be a returning guest. We got to, we, we have to, to, to link up now. Yeah. I know yeah, you're in Orlando. yeah, I'm right here. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. And we are back here on the show, our third and final segment here today. Mike, uh, definitely there for sure. We won't have you, sadly, for our special guest for today. But nevertheless, uh, it's going to be a great conversation there. So um, you'll definitely have a chance to listen to it. No, 100%, man, 100%. Hats off to Megan and everything with the Olympics that's going on. Uh, it's, It's nothing but good vibes and good energy. So I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say. Yeah, definitely, definitely there for sure. We have other sports that's going on there as well. We've got the NHL playoffs. Ooh. I haven't been paying attention all year, Mike, uh, to be honest. Um, but we, what we know is obviously Tampa Bay, the back-to-back reigning champions. They're they're trying to three-peat. That could be a dynasty there. Um, we, we know about some of the upcoming teams as well in the NHL. MLB is back. Um, anything that stood out to you thus far? Uh, as far as MLB or, or hockey? Both. Oh, yeah, well, it stands out to me. Like you said, uh, the Lightning have a great chance of, of three-peating, man. But don't be, don't sleep on those Maple Leafs out there in Toronto, though, Sebi. They, they, they've been playing good ball this year. And, and the Panthers. The Panthers been doing well. So it's going to be interesting to see, man. I, I, the, these playoffs, are, aren't you, I haven't really paid too much attention because, you know, not a lot of talk has been about my caps. Although I do I do feel like my caps will, uh, will uh, do a little something this year, potentially get out the first round. But – these playoffs, these playoffs are going to be fun to watch and interesting, and um, don't be surprised if if the the Tampa Bay Lightning are right there in the mix for a potential three peat. Yeah, definitely for sure. That that would be a, a huge that that would be a dynasty right there as well. But I agree with you, Mike. The Maple Leafs, man, that team up north, boy, they can score. Austin yeah. Matthews and those guys, whew, they can score. And unlike years, Tampa Bay hasn't been that dominant as as they were. They they're obviously the fifth seed uh, this year. It's 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 hard, man. It's hard to three P. You think about the NBA, um, the teams that's only done it. This the sixty sixers, right? Even Magic in the eighties, they never did that. Yep. Larry Bird in the eighties didn't do that. But Jordan did it in the nineties. Yep. Obviously, Shaq and Kobe did it. It's hard, man. It it is hard to three P. It's not something that gets done. So you really things really got to go right for you to be able to three P. And in hockey, man, I think that's hard because you get yeah. beat up. You got the fights. You skating back and forth, you get all these injuries. It's it's tough, Mike. 
Yeah, those one score, those those singular, those those, those single scored uh, sports, for you to three peat in those, that that takes a lot of discipline and will. So yeah, yeah, it, it adds it adds fuel to the fire. Agreed, agreed. And you have players in their prime, some aging too. It, it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough. But again, we'll we'll see what happens. Speaking of baseball, Mike, yeah, obviously the headlines are always uh, the New York teams and the Dodgers, but. I know the team that you love so dearly, your Nationals, expectations for them this season. Not too much. We're still in the rebuilding season. I just came from back home. I got a chance to sit at the bar and uh, chop it up with a couple Nets, Nets fans and OG Nets fans. We, we, For the most part, we we know that this is just a rebuild stage. We got rid of a lot of people a year and some change ago. So right now we're just building right now. We're in the, we're in the young stage. We, got a, we, got a, we had a, a tough series with the Mets. Uh, who is probably one going to end up being one of the top teams this year? We had a tough series with them this past weekend. We were able to win the game on Sunday. However, you see the youth of this team and the, and the mistakes that we make on a consistent basis. Where it's like this is going to be a long season of maturity, growing, and understanding uh, understanding the grind of the season. So we have a lot of learning to do, a lot of building to do before we get to that level where we were f- uh, three, four years ago. Yep, definitely that for sure. We'll keep our eyes on baseball, 162 games. Mike, could you believe you could do that? I, I don't know if I can. That That's a, a hats to those baseball guys, boy. They they, they be doing it, man. I ain't yeah. lie. <laughs> Every day. And they got to play, play, and they play in series. So you're yeah, playing the playing same series. thing three yeah. or four times every single day for three or four. I would get tired of seeing you three or four by, 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 by the third day. By the third game, I'm tired of seeing y'all, so. You know, the, the mental fortitude to be disciplined not to want to, you know, fight or, or exude exude extra energy along with playing 162 games, hats off to those baseball brothers. Yeah. Quickly here before we get to your closing arguments and wrap up today, the WNBA draft, that happened. We got to give love and show love to the ladies. Um, we know the Atlanta Dream had the number one overall pick, and they, they got the best player in the draft, right? The, the, yes. the Kentucky forward, so uh, she's going to be very dominant, but... Uh, any other teams that stood out to you? Any sleepers? Any, any <laughs> ladies that? Any ladies that you know under the radar? Or a, any gems that you saw off coming off that draft? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go bias with my Mystics, but I don't give a damn. We was. We was. <laughs> we, we we got two picks. We got two picks that I was in awe of. I couldn't believe we got these two picks. I mean, my Mystics got Shakira Austin in the, for the first pick, and our second pick was Christian Williams from UConn. Oh man. If anybody watched UConn these last few years, y'all know Christian Williams is a natural scorer. She yep. is a bucket. So pairing that with what we already have uh, here here in DC, I'm just thoroughly excited for those young those young young, young ladies. Uh, be just adding adding to our to our repertoire. We stay healthy this year with those young girls. Man, I'm telling you, watch out for our Mystics this year. I'm calling it, Sammy. I'm talking trash all summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Well, we, we we got something to do. The team in Chicago might have something to say, and Connecticut okay. too okay. might have something to say about that. But okay. we, we we're gonna be we're gonna be tapped in, Mike. That's all right. We here too. Let's get it. <laughs> That's gonna be interesting. Now, I like that second overall pick, Melissa Smith. Boy, she can oh, yeah, yeah, yeah she, yeah. she, she, she's a baller, Mike. She, she, she really does her thing. I think that's an immediate impact uh, uh, for where she's going. Great organization there. She, she is a great character girl too. Um, for for such a young lady that she is, so I'm excited about the opportunity that she's gonna bring to that organization. Um, so I, I like her abilities there on both ends of the floor too. Big time. There was a lot of talent in this draft with the ladies, man. I'm looking forward to seeing how they, how they, uh. How they show their skills on NBA on the NBA court. NBA no side. doubt, no doubt about that for sure. Mike, take it away. 
Yes, yes, man. And, and it's only right with the, the timing of this show and, and, you know, with my closing argument, it's only right that I touch on these these beautiful NBA playoffs that we're getting ready to witness as all basketball fans. And I just wanted, and for my closing argument today, I didn't want to make an argument more so than I wanted to make a bold prediction. My bold prediction for this, for these NBA playoffs in 2022 is that there will be, there won't be a single series. There won't be a single series, no matter what round it is, that won't go six games. Every series to me leading all the way through the NBA finals will go at least six games mm. this 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 the, these matchups this year's playoffs is so unpredictable it's so up in the air it's so much competitive balance through the top teams i don't see anybody getting knocked off quick i don't see anybody getting knocked off without some adverse situations all the way through the first round except you remember where it used to be the first round was almost like a warm-up mm -hmm. and then the second and third round get you right that that was usually when this playoff started for the top teams. Now mm. for the top teams, they can't take the first round off anymore. They mm. have to go hard in the first round because that first round matchup you might go against could be could be could be a very tough team, and you got to bring your all. So this to me, these playoffs are going to shape up as some of the best playoffs we've seen in a long time. And not only that, these these are going to be. I don't see any series going less than six. No series. Every wow. series to me, leading all the way through the first round, starting with Sunday. We'll go at least six games. I'm bold prediction. So, so you're saying, uh, Timberwolves, yes, Grizzlies going six, the Bulls and the Bucks going at least six. Interesting, interesting. You know what's funny, Mike? This actually has me thinking. This might be what you be talking about later on on social media. Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm telling you, this is this is this is big, man. I just these I these playoffs are gonna bring the best. video gonna come out about that. Oh yeah, yeah, it's big, it's big, it's big. Oh, trust me, we gonna we gonna have a we have a good one later on. That that's but, that's that's a, that's a big bold. That's a that's a bold argument. That's that is a bold statement. Forget all. That's a bold statement. The only the only one I'm hesitant about. The only one I'm truly hesitant about is the Bucks and Bulls. I think they might get swept. I'm not even going to lie to you. Mm -hmm. But if right. the Bulls play at their highest expectation, I do believe that they can sneak two games out of uh, Milwaukee. Definitely, definitely. Potentially. That's that. That's for, yeah. That that's that's we, we're gonna see. We're gonna see there for sure. The 2022 NBA playoffs. That's where we all gearing uh, towards, Mike, and that, that's what it's all about. And I think that's what all the viewers and listeners all want to talk about. That the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Forever you're listening worldwide, London, Paris, Seoul, USA. We say so long for you guys. Until next time, enjoy these playoffs. Peace. Hey, everyone. We're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show. And frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. Sebipodcast.info link for the latest news articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.